stand up for yourself And I'll back you up Cause problems don't solve themselves I'll tell you what Instead of would or could I think you should Draw a line in the sand and stand your ground It's for your own good Hello. Thank you for joining us for another episode of The Voice of Families and Addiction. As we start to continue our review on Chapter 7 of the book, Reentry Curriculum, Merging Two Worlds, we're starting to take a look now at the idea of relationships, and we're isolating this as a thought. I'm on page 193, and hopefully you've had a chance to download this from our website, familiesimpactedbyopioids.com where it's a PDF on the um, re-entry page. And with that, we're going to take a look at, in Chapter 7, how relationships kind of blend in together with support. And, I mean, there's a lot of ways that we can look at a relationship. And it would take us episodes after episodes to start into that world. But what we're really looking at when we're saying this as part of re-entry is you're going to need good relationships, you may not have the skill of developing good relationships. You could say, well, Roy, I know who I like and don't like, and that's not what I'm talking about. Because you may like that for the right reasons, and you may like them for the wrong reasons, and you don't even know it. But with that in mind, the old, the old adage of you are the company you keep tends to play in the fact that this could contribute to recidivism back to incarceration if you're not choosing the right relationships seems pretty um, obvious. I, I hate to word that, use that word obvious. It's so insulting, but it, it seems to be that uh, that would make sense. So choosing the right people to be engaged with in a friendship and the depth of that friendship, the frequency that you um, talk and meet and, and group together with this person or group of people will have a lot to do with how much you feel that they support you. Now, I'd also like to take a, just a second before we dive into the material. Support you doesn't mean um, they agree with you. <laughs> I mean, boy, I'll tell you what, if every relationship I had was based on the fact that somebody had to agree with me, I probably wouldn't have too many friends. But the fact is, one of the more um, fruitful part of a good relationship, a good uh, friendship, is where the person that you're dealing with or having this interface, interaction with, is, is willing and able to speak both good, bad, and indifferent when it's appropriate. So let, let's go ahead and, and, and take a look at you know, what is a healthy relationship. You know, most people get tremendous pleasure from speaking about themselves. So let's take a look at the person that you're having the relationship with. You know, if we're talking a lot about ourselves, we have to be careful if always talking about ourselves and our achievements and our problems, the people you know, especially if they're good, are going to get fed up with listening to you. Makes sense. If we're willing to enable to listen to them, we'll find out how much more they appreciate us, and you will find out how much you appreciate them because of the fact that you're listening, not because of the fact that you're talking. Some people aren't aware of how much they dominate a conversation. I've been guilty of that. If you find you're always talking about yourself, 
consider this advice. And here's the advice in quotations. Nature gives us one tongue and two ears. That's the way God had designed us. So we could hear twice as much as we speak. So kind of keep that in mind as to, it's kind of a pie chart. How much of the time I'm with this person am I spending talking about me? And how big is the slice of pie where I'm listening to them? If you're like most people when you're starting this out, it's going to be a 90-10 split. 90% of the time you're talking about yourself because you want to impart and you're thinking, well, I'm sharing myself. How would they know what I'm up to unless I talk about it? Well, sometimes when you listen to other people, it's a more rewarding, enriched, involved, um, moving forward relationship and conversation than it would be if you just did all the talking. You'll actually, you might even learn more about what it is that you're dealing with by listening more. And somebody might say, well, how could I listen if they don't know what I'm talking about? You know, <laughs> we'd like to think that something that we're doing is unique and, and never been done before, and I can't believe I'm experiencing this, and i got to give you all the details. And yet, a lot of the time, not most of the time, but a lot of the time, we know what you're going through because it's nothing new. It's just that it's happening to you, and this situation is new, and I, I get all that. But we don't have to go into such detail. If I were to say, I went down to the store and I didn't have change, and then this person were uh, spent time about, you know, oh, yeah, that happened to me, and this is what I did, and da-da-da-da-da, uh, as opposed to me saying, they say, I went down, you know, and I, it was a hot day, and I got out of the car, and I went inside, and I, I, I looked around and didn't find the product I wanted. It wasn't until I got to the cash register that I realized I didn't have change. So then I went back to my car, and, and then I, I realized that maybe something had fallen out of my pocket, so I started looking underneath the seat. The person's looking at you like, oh, my gosh, do you have to tell me every detail here? Uh, you, you went down to the, and you couldn't find the money that you thought you had in your pocket. <laughs> you know? So with that in mind, which is more important to you when, when you're talking about harmony? in a conversation. Remember, we're, we're, we're on page 195, and there are about, because uh, it, it continues on in, in the guide to um, 10, and that takes you to 196. So if, if, you, if, if it be right in a conversation is important to you, you're probably not going to achieve much harmony, and you more than likely are not a very good conversation to have because anything that I say, you're going to say, yes, but, or yes, however, or it wasn't that way, or let me correct you with what you're thinking because that's not what I'm saying, or I know that I'm right, and you're just going to have to accept it. It's kind of like, whoa, okay, dude, you know, be that way, but don't, don't expect me to listen to you for very long. So you might find that your relationship becomes unhealthy because of that. They're listing things here that have a healthy relationship and a not-so-healthy relationship. So as we start to talk about the different tens, and we're on number three now, avoid gossip. You know, the funny thing about gossip is when you're gossiping and you're telling something, oh, well, then they did this and then they did that, they're in the back of their mind thinking, how can I trust you if you're telling me this about them? Because I just have to assume you'll do the same thing with my conversation with you. So I have to be guarded now because I know you have a tendency to gossip. And it's not the fact that you've been found out that you gossip because of the way that you gossip. 
You may want to look at why are you gossiping? What, what are you trying to achieve? Are you trying to act like you know, you're able to know more about people than they wanted you to know about them? Or that look at all the people I know and I could talk about their different worlds and lives? Or, I mean, what, sometimes gossip is a matter of insecurity in ourselves. So you may want to like, do a little mindfulness and, and, and ask yourself, why do I gossip a lot? You know, what, what, what's in it for me? So the other one is forgiveness. Now, forgiveness is on both sides. And you can really, you know, do a deep dive again on the topic of forgiveness. But the fact is, in a healthy relationship, it is definitely active. And, and on a not-so-healthy relationship, it's absent, okay? If you're not able to forgive somebody, and I, this is how I look at it. God forgave me. Um, he loves me that much. Now, we're not God, so we're probably going to have intermittent um, uh, in indicators that say, you know, this is a good idea to forgive them for this, and this other thing is not such a good idea to forgive them for that. So you'll have to decide, you know, what is forgiveness for you? By the way, if you spend some time in that area of forgiveness, you may find that your whole persona, your, your, your constitute of who you are, uh, changes in a, in a very good way. Let's face it, you're, 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 you were in incarceration. So I bet that didn't feel like you were forgiven because we were being punished at the time. And then you get out and everybody looks at you as you're a felon or you're, you're, you, know, you were in jail. Therefore, you're not worthy of forgiveness. Well, if I might be so bold to suggest, the first person that needs to be forgiven is you need to have a conversation with yourself and forgive yourself. And I would suggest you itemize it on a piece of paper. Write down all the things that you feel have happened or that, and don't write why, just give them a, just give them a label and, and, and identify. And then in each one, have a discussion with yourself about why you feel you should be forgiven. And then make sure that you complete it by forgiving yourself. So. This is a great place for a therapist to be involved in your life. So fortunately, if you do have a therapist, if you've got an HMO and you're on Medicaid, uh, I would go to the behavioral product and ask to be able to see somebody. And I would make forgiveness one of your earlier conversations of you helping yourself and repositioning yourself in your own mind. More people will be able to forgive you for things that you do in the future if you have an understanding of forgiveness of yourself. That doesn't mean... Oh, I can do anything, then I can just like bless myself and forgive myself and go out and do dumb things. That's not what we're saying, of course. But if you're carrying the fact that I'm not worthy of forgiveness, then other people will likely see that in you and they will not give you forgiveness either. They won't be so inclined. So you kind of set up the plate that you're going to feed off of. So know when to keep silent. Um, silence is a good thing, they call it a poetic pause. That was a poetic pause, by the way. <laughs> you couldn't hear it. You're not supposed to. It was silent. So with that in mind, a poetic pause gives both parties a chance to be understood with what you just said. But being silent is not an indefinite you know, timeline. It's, there's a period in the conversation 
when your silence is a gift. It's a gift to the, keeping a healthy relationship. So if you know that a friend has a bad or unworkable idea, don't always argue against it. Just keep silent and let them work things out for themselves. It's a mistake to always feel responsible for their actions. You can offer support to friends, but you cannot live their lives for them. You know, when you're in jail, a lot of times people will say things and you know, we'll take time to tell them our thoughts of maybe how they could rethink that. Don't do that when you get out, okay? Um, leave that back in there. Uh, find a better way and just keep silent. And, and They will appreciate the fact that you listened to them and you didn't give them back an opinion on how they should be living their life or how they should move forward. You just listen to them. That's called show up, but shut up. And in that mind, it sounds kind of rude, but with, with that in mind, you know, show up, be present, be, be attentive to the conversation, but don't necessarily give your advice or tell them how they should do it. That doesn't mean you're not listening. It doesn't mean that you don't care. If anything, it means the exact opposite. So the right motive. If, if you view your friendship from a perspective of what can I get from this, and, and often we do, especially coming out with a kind of, a, I, won't, I, won't, I, I don't like this term, prison mentality, but you know, when you've been, when you've been extracted from society, you know, you, you are, you're always looking at people, what motivates them, what's in it for them, what game are they playing, how are they going to scam me? Uh, this kind of relationship proves very short. If you make friendships with, with that, the hope of some benefit, you'll find that people always have a similar attitude towards you. you know, so if you're seeing this, 10 to 1, you're demonstrating a, you know, what can I get out of this uh, mentality. Stop that, okay? If you're a family member, remind the person to stop that, okay? And, and with that in mind, uh, by, by, by changing that and, and, you know, moving it into a much more, you know, kinder way, um, you'll avoid the, the, the friendships that lead to, like, insecurity and jealousy. Now, furthermore, these fair-weather friends will most likely disappear just when you need them the most, you know. When people are only in the relationship for what benefits them, their waters generally do not run deep. You want people that are committed to a friendship that, you know, are there to support you, kind of like through thick and thin, but, but the thick and thin, you know, that has a definitive end point too. So oneness is, is another one. A real secret of a healthy relationship is developing a feeling of oneness. This means that you consider the impact on others of your words and your actions. So you might sit there and say, oh, it's not like I hit them. Well, you kind of did with your words. You know, you slapped them around a lot. It, was, it wasn't nice, you know. So you need to re-examine. I'm serious. You need to examine the words that you're using because they matter. If you have a true feeling of oneness, you'll, you'll find it difficult to do anything that causes suffering in somebody else. It's kind of like, well, I don't want to do that to him. I don't hurt his feelings. Good. You're using oneness. I want you to be able to identify it as oneness. You know, Look for it. Use it. Successful and healthy friendships depend on the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's very true. It's what keeps us in harmony. And then humor. Don't take yourself too seriously. You know, it's, it's, it's easy because you've been pounced on for years now from your incarceration. 
don't don't think that everybody wants to puniate you or you know bring you down. Uh, it's 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 self destroying to lead your life that way. This doesn't mean that you know. You, you, what you want to have is humility of yourself. It doesn't mean that you let go of your ego, meaning the sense of who you feel you are. It's okay to stick up for yourself, but sometimes humor kind of like is an antidote. Now, I want to go on the opposite side of that. Sometimes humor is inappropriate, okay? And, and other times, and take a close examination of when this comes up, the topic of I'm using humor. Oh, I was just kidding. Well, sometimes you say, I was just kidding, when you're trying to make a very sharp-edged point. That's called passive-aggressive. And um, they feel it. They see it for what it is. You're not kidding anyone. You know, oh, you know, you know I was just slapping you around a little bit, you know, kind of thing. Now, number one, you don't do that in a oneness relationship. And number two, it's not funny. So let's not kid ourselves. What you did was wrong. The other time that you use humor inappropriately is to lighten the moment. You're in a room, you feel uncomfortable, so you, you try and point something out that's happening or that's in the room to make fun of it, to deflect. And they see it. They may not say it, they probably won't say it, they may not even originally think it, but they feel it. And it's true. Most people realize that you just made humor at an inappropriate time because it looks like you're uncomfortable with yourself. So, you know, the thought is, hey, boy, we just got out of being incarcerated. We don't need all this psycho mumbo jumbo. No, but I'm telling the family members that are taking this material and learning from it that when they see their loved one doing that, it, it's, a, it's a matter of um, helping them, not pointing out saying, stop doing that. You know, that that's not going to be helpful. But getting them to kind of like take a look at when is humor good and productive and helpful. And then on the opposite side, when is it counterproductive and not so helpful? I would spend more time on the good than the other. So work at relationships. Don't overanalyze them. And the, my original thought is, then why are we taking you know, five, six pages of this uh, chapter uh, to describe to us a deep dive? Well, we're not saying don't understand relationships. We're saying in your practice of relationships, don't overanalyze because we don't know for sure. Oh, they did that because of this. And if it wasn't for this, they wouldn't have done that. And, you know, Barbara had something to do with it too because they get in a fight. So he's just taking that out on me and our relationship, blah, 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 blah. Now, time out, you know. It means we take little time to consider others, remembering birthdays and anniversaries. You know, you don't want to do that. It's a mistake to spend several hours dissecting a relationship. This makes the whole thing very mental, Okay. And, and there are negative consequences to that. Uh, a good friendship should be built on spontaneity, meaning it, it's in front of me and I dealt with it for my genuineness at the moment. It's new, it's sharing moment. Humor can be often uh, a more benefit in these discussions too, you know, because you're, you're trying to keep it light, all right? You don't have to always be light, but just be aware of when you're light and when you're heavy and definitely be aware of your thought life of when you're overanalyzing it, because that could take you to some very dark places based on our past experience of where we just came from. So concern and detachment. You know, you want to talk about detachment. You've already gone through a college course on detachment just by what you've gone through. So a healthy relationship should be built on a degree of detachment, meaning you're not them, they're not you. 
But here people can often make the mistake. They think that being detached means not caring. Or how, no, it, it doesn't. This, this isn't the case. Uh, you often develop a very strong attachment uh, when we expect the person to behave in a certain way. When they don't, we feel miserable and try to change them, you know. And a good friendship is based on detachment, means that we'll always offer goodwill, but we will not take or be upset if they wish to go in a different way, okay? You stay in your lane with who you are in a good, healthy relationship. You don't cross over the boundaries, and boundaries meaning, you know, what, what would be reasonably expected of us, the boundary is ours that we keep for ourselves, not that we're putting on them. So we need to understand what are our boundaries in a friendship? What should I be doing and what should I be doing? And the reason that we would do this on reentry is even if you have just one, you need to have at least one good relationship. And we don't get to define how long that good relationship will last we experience it in the moment. It's kind of like when it happens and it's good, put it in a savings account and you can draw it emotionally later when you need to and things aren't so good. You know, kind of like remembering, well, I've had good friends in the past. You know, there's every reason for me to feel that I can have good friends in, in the future. That would be true because you clearly understand why you had good friends. That's even more true. And that's why we're taking the time now to sit there and say, slow down. We know you just got out, but the fact is, Relationships are very important to you because they support you, and you will need a lot of support. But that support doesn't mean you're just going to dump on everything that's happening to you that's a problem with you with them. See what we mean? So there are people that you should probably cut ties with. Um, cutting ties with somebody or something or any reason is difficult. Leaving the relationship is hard on both parties, but sometimes it's absolutely necessary. More than likely, people that you were with that were not doing well with you before you were incarcerated are not people that you should be coming back to. You should be cutting those ties. Now, you might say, well, if I cut those ties, Roy, I won't have any friends. Well, I want you to take a look at that statement. It may actually be that the friends you had contributed to the reasons that you were incarcerated. And that should tell you, just by logic and reasoning, that they were not healthy friends for you. And they were not the right of support. They supported you going to jail. Now, you know, that doesn't make sense. And, and it's not yours to fix them, okay? Well, I'll just go back and tell them, hey, listen, dude, if it wasn't for you, I would have gone to jail. And you better not, I'll be friends with you, but you better not do what we did in the past. You know, that's not going to work. So you, you, you have to discover everything that you share with 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 the position or the person you're cutting ties with. Once you know that you shared, you can dissolve each of them. If you don't take the time to discover all aspects of how you were in a shared relationship, you may forget something and not be able to cut loose the loose ends. So once you have listed all the ties, you figure out what it will take to cut these ties. Okay, well, I knew Jerry and we would go to the bar. Okay, well, that's, that's, you got to cut that tie. Jerry, Jerry sometimes would need money, and I would share money with him. Okay, you need to cut that tie. You see how we're listing each thing with Jerry that we used to do and why we did it and what the outcome was, and then you need to make sure you cut that tie. You don't want to not go to 
not go to the bar with Jerry and, um, you know, not, not spend time till three in the morning and not getting good sleep and nutrition because of it, you know, and still end up money. And maybe you cut the first two, but he's still coming around to you for money. Cut the ties by cutting each one of them is what's being suggested on page 197. So on 198, we're getting into um, building friendships. And, and this, I want you to take the time, not while you're driving, to uh, build an exercise number 98, identify the people or organization you've burned bridges with. It's kind of like, it's also a part of AA, one of the steps. Name the people and organizations you need to make amends with. Do, have, do you have lines of communication with the people you need to apologize to? Name the people you, you need to avoid. Name the people you need to avoid. Name the people you need to avoid. Okay, that's a really, really big. What steps can you take to make sure that you avoid them? You, you, you absolutely cannot go back to your old life and think that you're going to do it differently in your old life. It doesn't work. I don't know, it's probably been studied, but if it hasn't, I'd be surprised. The fact is, they will steer you and you will steer yourself back to habits that then get you back into the trouble that put you in, in jail in the first place. Do you have any disagreements that need clarification? How, how many of your friends would call you their best friend? You know, for a guy, um, I'm not going to say that women have you know, deeper and more friends, but I can only speak from my experience. I just don't have a lot of best friends. I, I'm not even sure that I have a lot of friends. I have a lot of acquaintances. And I have a lot of situations, like if I go, and I don't do it very often, but if I go golfing, I might have golfing buddies. You know, if I, if I go out um, and I'm invited to a party, I might see the same people that I saw in the last party, and those would be considered acquaintances too. I, I don't, I, I guess I kind of like hold the, the label of friend to be um, sometimes more lucid. I mean, I consider myself friends with people here that are down at uh, Brunswick Area Television, um, but, you know, best friends? No, uh, you know, that, that, that's a different qualification. I think they'd feel the same way. So do, you, do, do your friends trust you with their personal information? You know, I think that, that that's kind of the definition of, of a good friendship. Not, there's that phrase, TMI, you know, too much information. Uh, I do believe that we need to be, you know, you don't need to spill everything you are to another person in order to be called, call them your best friend. But typically a best friend would know more about you than um, the, the, the clerk at the local, you know, uh, Circle K, you know, convenience store. So do your friends regularly ask your opinion? Well, that's probably a good sign of, you know, how are we getting along with each other? This person trusts my opinion. That's nice. If a friend needs something, do they ask you? If so, why do they ask you? And if not, why don't they ask you? So take a friend and put them through. This is an elliptus test of, you know, you know Jerry, I, I went through six questions and uh, you didn't answer positively on all of them, so I'm going to stop hanging around with you. Uh, that's not the purpose of this. The purpose of this is to raise your awareness as to the uh, uh, consistency, the content of your friendship with this person. Will you change an important event for your friend? That, that has a lot to do with the level of friendship that you have. 
because that goes back to the oneness, you know, in terms of what we talked about earlier. Uh, do you think you are helpful to your friends? I mean, would they sit there and say, you know, John is pretty helpful to me, and, and I think that um, I think that this is something that we need to, uh, you know, kind of take a look at, because what gifts do we have when we're saying I'm a friend to them? Well, why? What, what gifts do you share with them in your friendship? So, what other materials are out there on friendships? Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Uh, Anthony Robbins, you know, Awaken the Giant Within, Stephen Covey, you know, First Things First, and six, Seven Successful Habits of Highly Effective People. Uh, Dale Carnegie is, is as old as the, the 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 watch on you know my wrist, and which is old. <laughs> um, they they uh, they have all approached the topic, and there's just a plethora of good information on what defines a friend. But there is none better than your definition, because that's what's real for you. And what we're asking you in this podcast is stop and learn, learn, learn. Take the time to understand why you are a friend. What is the composition of a friend and then compare it to what friends do I currently have? And you'll find that there are different levels of friends and that's good. That's okay. You know, I have a friend for this. I have a friend for that. That's okay. You know, they, they may be using your friendship in the same way also. So with that in mind, I want to wish you good luck and I please family members and the person take the time to understand your relationships, and how well they support you. This will be a definitive factor in your success in avoiding recidivism back to incarceration. Because there were habits that got you into it, your friends can off you, especially new good, not, doesn't have to be new friends, but good relationships help you to make change that is for the better. I want to thank you for joining us for the voice of families and addiction in our review of chapter seven, relationships and support. Stand up for yourself and I'll back you up because problems don't solve themselves. I'll tell you what, Instead of would or could, I think you should draw a line in the sand and stand your ground. It's for your own good.